0: So we talk about Dallas's moves at the deadline, and we're going to talk about two trades that happened that didn't involve the Stars over the weekend. But it does involve the Stars because the Halls coming back is something that's fascinating in today's NHL. I mean, I understand teams are going for it, but I see a lot of the future going away for some of these teams. So David Castillo, who writes for D Magazine as well, one of your colleagues, Sean, uh, tweeted out the following. Using EP Ringside, which is a highly respected hockey website, prospect ratings, this is how the trade might have looked for the stars had they tried to get Timo Meyer. Dallas would receive Timo Meyer, 50% retained salary, Scott Harrington. San Jose would receive Ty Delandria, Dennis Gurianov, Antonio Stranges, Christian Kiru, a 2024 first, a conditional 2025 second, which could turn into a first. For me, as, and this is what, and it's really interesting, Sean, is when I clicked on that tweet and saw the reaction of Stars fans, a lot of them were like, whoa, that's too much. That's too much. But that's the market now. And I think when you look at it from the other side, as far as what you're giving up, all of a sudden, the Timo Myers, who's a fantastic player and he'd certainly help. But another thing to think of is Timo Myers is on an expiring contract. If you wanted to keep him, he would cost you a lot of money. I don't think the stars can afford right now. So for those reasons, I thought it was a really interesting comparison and wanted to get your thoughts.
1: I mean, I would have, I would have done that deal. I mean, I'll be honest, if you could get that deal done with, uh, if you could get, if you could have gotten that deal done, I would have done it in a heartbeat just to be just hunted because he's Myers and RFA for one, right? Mm -hmm. So he's a restricted free agent. So it's not, you can make it work. You can, figure out the ways to do that like i would i would have done that deal in a heartbeat because you just read off a a trade to me that involved getting gary on off your books i like Delandry a lot but there's lots of tied to in the world and you didn't have me move um thomas harley logan stankoven wyatt johnston maverick bork liam bischel the fact like Oh, and like I don't like I think Kairu's going to be a good player but moving Kairu and moving Cairo and Delandria to to get a to get uh Meyer and I would have done that deal in a heartbeat honestly to just just looking at it from that perspective Do you think it's accurate um, as
0: far as the EP ringside when you look at prospect for prospect or do you think San Jose would have required one of those people you just mentioned
1: I think there would have been a Western Conference premium let me put it that way okay. I think there's I I, I think I think the value of, I think there's, there's a reason that teams are overly attached to trying to make these big deals go to the other conference or the other, or at a minimum, the other division, because people are so worried about we don't want to see that guy on a regular basis coming back to beat us. And so I, I, I don't think Dallas would have been able to make the same deal because I think from a, there's two levels of it from a Western a, there would have been a Western conference premium. um, And B the sharks assistant GM is Tom Holy, who for someone who knows the stars organization in and out and everything like that, um, he would have, uh, if he's part of this conversation at all, and I'm sure Mike Greer talks to, to his assistant GMs. Um, I don't. I don't see how you don't go after one of the bigger fish from Dallas. So I, I think, from a pure in a vacuum standpoint, I think it's it's not a bad thought exercise. I also think the price would have been higher for Dallas. Um, the other thing that's just super interesting to see is I don't think San Jose got enough um, when. The uh if if I told you like so you see that return, Gavin, right? Like mm-hmm. you see that return for Timo Meyer. Would you rather have the return for Timo Meyer, or would you rather have a first round pick, a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a, round pick, a fifth round pick, and uh
0: let me make sure I get the name right? Um <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. First yes, round selection the, in 2025, second round selection 2024, third, fourth, yes. and fifth round selections twenty twenty three. And, and Cal Foot, Foot in exchange yes. for 14 points this year, Tanner Janot.
1: Exactly. So I would, would you rather have the return at Nashville got or the return that San Jose got? And I honestly, I'd almost, I, I, I'm, I'm. It's very I'm similar. At, you know, I, yeah. It's it's very similar. And like, I look at Cal who's a player who is young, 24 year old defenseman who i don't know I'm, I'm not first round pick in 2000 i mean not sorry his brother was the one who was the first round pick but he was uh the uh i that's that's if tanner as you know, is getting that type of return the sharks left some months some left something on the bone it feels like doesn't yeah. it yeah
0: no it, <laughs> oh it is it is interesting and uh you know, I mean, I hate I hate to do the passe, like, uh, we'll see, but at the same yeah. time, you know, it, uh, you, you, if, if you're San Jose fan, you never think you get enough, and if you're the other side, you know, you think you got fleeced. So uh, interesting to see how Greer's going to build that team. Personally, um, I would have been in favor. I don't understand why San Jose wouldn't want to keep Meyer. I know they have to rebuild, and they need a lot of parts, but... You know, I mean, we're talking about a restricted free agent. We're talking about years left where he's at, you know, he's in his yeah. prime. So,
1: well, well, the most telling thing to me about the Meyer stuff was the fact that uh, Mike Greer went and said that we knew what his ask was going to be price wise and we weren't going to be able to pay that. And so that gives me a feeling that the Meyer. And now Meyer doesn't have an extension in place in New Jersey. And I know the devils, he's one of now four Swiss players on New Jersey. So they're going to be trying to sell that to him and everything like that, but GMs do their homework. And it tells me that Meyer is not going to be the take a discount guy. He's going to want to get paid. So it's going to be very interesting to see, um, what comes out of this because he it could be a very simple, he gets qualified as an RFA, um, but to get something, it's to me, it feels like to get something done long term with Meyer is going to be high, very, very pricey, and we're going to be looking at that number and be like, ah, yeah. I don't know, yeah. like I, I think that's, I think that's going to come into play.
0: So there were two other teams, according to Elliot Friedman, who were interested in Dennis Gurianov. One was Carolina, but the other one I'm kind of fascinated by was the Philadelphia Flyers. If Guryanov went to Montreal and there were talks with the Flyers, where are we with the James Van Riemsdyk situation and the possibility of him coming here if there were talks and nothing came about?
1: Yeah, I I don't think it kills the Van Riemsdyk to Dallas spot. I I truly believe, from my understanding of things, I mean, they've had tepid interests on Guryanov from other people for for years. And so I, I don't think the... Whether Reamsdyk was going to come to Dallas or not, I don't think him, Gariano going to Montreal kills that thing. It obviously would have been a lot, it would have made it easier. But as I said, I still think there could be a Van Reamsdyk, a Van Reamsdyk deal to Dallas could still happen. Let me put it that way. Um, I know Carolina um, was definitely intrigued and thinking that maybe it could, they could come in and they could work with him and kind of, Basically, kind of catch lightning in a bottle in the way they play. I know, I know, some people from Carolina looked at Guryanov as um, you know. You haven't have talked about how like aggressive Carolina's forecheck is, right? How they just love running people through walls, basically. And Carolina looked at Gurianov as the type of guy they could maybe kind of um, mold into one of those players. Um, the Philly one would have been interesting because I just I don't see, and this is, and it's not because of the things he says. It's just because of his coaching style. I, I just don't see Dennis Gurianov and, and John Tortorella coexisting very well. And not, not that they would like butt heads or anything like that. He just seems to me like one of the guys where I, I just don't think John Tortorella's style and his communications would work well with Dennis Gurianov. So I think Gurianov ended up in for Denny ended up in the Carolina would have been the best spot for him, but I think he ended up in the second best spot for him in Montreal.
0: Dead enough will wear number 63. It'll be interesting. Boy, just... It's going to be... Take me a second and wear off the Mike Rivero 63. <laughs> <laughs> but all signs point to him uh, playing and um, early signs possibly in the top six tonight. So that's kind of fascinating if 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 yeah. that's the case.
1: Well, and it's... I, I think he should play with Marchment and Sagan. Yep. And so... It's the question becomes when when you say top six, the question becomes what's your second line? Because to me, he's not that's to me the second line is uh the second line is is Ben Ben is the, Johnston is and the, Delandria. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that that's the second line to me. So to say to say top uh to call it a top top six or whatever, like that's gonna require I, I would need to see that actually like it's top nine. Like the stars are the Pavelski, Robertson Hens line, and then a middle six, and then and then a bottom line. That's what the stars are. And that's and so he'll he'll go into that middle six. Um I still like if you if you got a Van Reemsdyke and you put him with Sagan in, in marchment, then you have a top six. Right now you're still just a middle six with a top with a with a top line.
0: Just saying, Luke Shen's in town. It saves a flight. He's got, is he he's in got... town?
1: I thought. Is he in town? I think. Didn't they have him? Don't they have him just sitting back? Do they in have Vancouver? him sitting <laughs> back. <laughs> like, aren't they just sitting there waiting for him to be traded?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Might be the case. <laughs> Might like, be the case. Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure they could get a good deal quick. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, that... you know,
1: you know what the the owner the owner's plane has. Uh, the owner's plane has a lot of frequent flyer miles going direct from Vancouver to Dallas. to make it work that way. So.
0: <laughs> That's true. But that would be some defensive depth and that would be some physicality. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting week and these deals are flying left and right. Uh, one that might fly under the radar for Stars fans that they might have missed. Barry Trotz will become the new general manager of the Nashville Predators. Very interesting move by uh, Nashville. I'm real happy for Trotz. Uh, I feel as though he's always kind of thought of Nashville as home, Uh, said as much today in the press conference. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just – I know it's interdivision, and I know we're supposed to hate Smashville and everything like that, but I'm happy for Barry Trotz. I think he's had an outstanding career as a coach, and I'm really interested to see how he uh, fares as a a general manager.
1: I'm legitimately curious of – because this is a thing that – in this doesn't happen in hockey, right? Like yeah, David Poyle is the only GM in the history in Predators history. Right. Like right. The fact of the matter is, like David Poyle, like it's so you're moving on from one GM who's been there for decades, not even joking. It's decades. Yeah. To someone who has zero GM experience at all. Right. And it's it's just very it's going to be very interesting to see how they they play how, how, how Barry Trotz looks as a GM. I like, I breaking down a power play, figuring out how a coach, a player fits here and there being a coach and being a manager are two different skills. And I'm not saying Barry Trotz doesn't have the skills to be a GM. I'm fascinated to see what happens, but at the end of the day, there is a, what's the right word here? There, there is, there is a learning curve. And I think that's one of the reasons that, they did like the kind of a soft retirement where Poyle will be in place until the, the June, July 1st, and then Trotz will take over and then he will kind of still be there and everything like that. But I, I am fascinated to see uh, what, uh, what Barry Trotz does as a GM and how he, because we, we know we've seen in Dallas just because you've played the game or coached the game, that doesn't mean you're, Automatically a great gf So I'm I'm just fascinated to see how it how it plays out in the long run with Barry. Charles yeah,
0: there. yeah, absolutely. And uh also, also John Hines might have a little yeah. sore uh, sore shoulder from keeping turning around. I mean, that's tough when your new boss is one of the great coaches in the NHL. But that's what I
1: was about to say. Like, if if you are Nashville, and so John Hines is the coach, and I think the hubbub there is that. John Hines kind of is, uh, doesn't have the longest leash for, yeah. for coaching and everything like that. Like, do you, I don't know if any Stars fans remember this, but there's a couple times, I'm going to pull up the times he did it, but there was a couple times where um, Lou Lamorello would, uh, when he was in New Jersey, he, it happened during, yeah, it happened twice. It happened during the, 2005-2006 season, and then a part of the 2006-2007 season as well, where he basically just said, "I'm going to fire my coach and I'm going to take over." And he coached the and he was the and he coached the playoffs in back-to-back years. Lou, it was actually Lou Lamorello on the bench, um, and Barry obviously worked for Lou on on Long Island, and he won a cup in Washington. And if you're the coach in Nashville and two years from now, just hypothetical, right? Things aren't going great. The team's kind of close, but maybe things aren't going well. And maybe, maybe a little Barry trots coaching magic would be the difference or something like that. Like it is, it's a place where I, I it will be, it'll be interesting to see how soon it takes the, how soon till we get the coverage and the story yeah. of, of, Hey, when's, when's Barry, Barry can be the coach and the GM. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, trots worked with Lane Lambert for a while. He was his longtime assistant. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just names. I, I'm sure there are going to be names that come out that Trott's worked with in multiple organizations. That and it's just, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I, I, I do want to give you know credit to the leaving GM. Poyle has done a, I think, just done a wonderful job. I mean, you know, starting a, starting expansion from scratch. I know, I, in my opinion, in the in a, in his Last few years, it hasn't been as good as, you know, maybe the Nashville fandom wants, but at the same time, I think overall, uh, at one time, wasn't he known as one of the top GMs in the game?
1: I mean, he's got more wins than any, I mean, yeah. it's parts longevity. It's it's kind of like the, the weird, like, it's kind of the weird thing, right? Where it's, he's the winningest GM of all time, but he also never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, And there is, it's, so there's that element to it and I think one of the things that David Poyle did um, and it's not a bad thing but it's just a reality of what he had to do to kind of grow in that market in Nashville it was he never um, he never accepted that his team was bad right and and it's 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 ironic that it's happening right now where they're where they're actually selling pieces off, but like throughout he never accepted that his team was bad. And there was times where Nashville, I think, put making the playoffs in year one or, or overly valued what they had instead of being a little bit more self uh, instead of looking in the mirror, like they should have. And I think it took, I think that's kind of happened a little bit later in Boyle's career. Obviously they, they almost won a Stanley cup. So take, don't take anything away from him, but um, it will be, Interesting to see how Barry Trotz kind of comes in with a bit of a blank slate because it's yeah. going to be a team coming off a rebuild. It's going to be a team that's got five additional picks from a deal for trading the middle six player who they had signed as an undrafted free agent. So like really good piece of work right there. And on top of all that, and I put this on Twitter, it's going to be interesting because the draft this year is in Nashville. So it sets up really well for mm-hmm it feels like the timing is is not a coincidence for yeah. David Poyle to have his final draft in Nashville. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, really really interesting.